Welcome one, welcome all to Rift Rewind, our ESPN Esports League of Legends program. Every single Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Arda, Emily, Tyler, and Jacob with you. And the leagues are winding down. We are focusing our attention slowly and surely to Worlds. And already, before we even get there, we have some major news, and that's how we're going to start the program. Before we get to the world's news itself, because there is a lot to unpack, uh, we have a little bit of an announcement before an announcement, maybe a little bit of an announcement. Tyler, take it away. What do we have to say here? Every year, you love it, you hate it, you dunk on us for it. The ESPN Top 20 Players of the World Championships. We've been doing it for the last few years Riot does it, countless other websites and podcasts do their top 20 list. And we thought, how can we make the top 20 different? How can we step away from everyone else? What can we do to be make it special? And that is why on September 11th, in less than two weeks, the cast right here, the ESPN staff are going to be in one room or one virtual room because obviously COVID, we can't all be in the same room. Wish we could. It'd be a lot more fun arguing. We are going to be in one room and we are going to take the 100 plus players going to the 2020 World Championships in Shanghai. And in real time, you will be able to watch as we whittle down the list to create our consensus, hopefully consensus, top 20 list. And we are not allowed to leave the call until we agree on the number one player. We have to agree on a top 20 list. We have to break it down from 100 players to 20 and agree on the final selections before anyone can leave. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fighting. There's going to be a lot of arguing. There's going to be a lot of deceit, compromising, Twitch chat yelling at us. I already have told Emily that I'm bringing my Chovy notes. I already have a guide <laughs> of why Chovy. Why Chovy should be overnight in the in our top twenty? It's it's going to be a really take. it's going to be a really fun time. Uh, there's it's gonna it's it's something that we no one's ever done before. No top twenty list this year will be like ours. Uh, you might not agree with everything we say, but you're gonna see it happen in real time. And I think it's gonna be a lot of fun when us four in one room for hours on end saying who really is the number one player going to the 2020 World Championship. I cannot wait for this. It's going to be a lot of fun. So like Tyler said, September 11th, we will come together and we will have a top 20 list by the end of it. Yeah. And uh, it kind of the way you described it, it kind of sounds like Among Us, Tyler. It's basically the yeah. world's Among Us is, is what mean, we're doing. There's going to be compromises. I mean, <laughs> if one of us, like, Ari, you might want to, like, I might have to bring in a Turkish player to make top 20 if you have to get on my Chovy gang. Like, like we're going to be alliances. Oh, we're allowed to trade. We're allowed to make a lie. I see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can, okay. Compromises. So Tyler, Tyler, I'm telling you right now, I can be easily swayed. Okay. Tyler, right. for the right deal, I am easily swayed. And Tyler, I'm already listening. Let's go. I'm Let's already go. listening. It's going to be a fun time in September. It's going to be a really fun time. To tie a bow on this, can I get early predictions? Emily, let's start with you. Early predictions. How many players over under? You don't have to name them. Just give me a number. How many players from the West will make the top 20, in mm. your opinion? Five? Maybe? Mm. I was thinking six, so I'll go yeah. over. But by one. By one. Uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be five or six, maybe seven. Yeah. Yeah, I had to like <laughs> run through names in my head and I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. here like, oh my fingers being like, mm, I was, okay. I was thinking about this today, and yeah, the my like 
Callie was six. So, yeah, that's about right. Car Carter Riddle in chat says minus four. Minus four. We add additional <laughs> slots for LPL and LCK player. Yeah, pretty much. Let me, let me, let me tell you about this guy named Core JJ. He's just a little good at League of Legends. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> just a bit. So that's going to be September 11th. And all I'm going to say on top of that is you can look forward to more... Obviously, every year, there's been some fantastic Worlds coverage over the years over at ESPN.com slash esports. My three esteemed colleagues have been at the forefront of it for several years. And all I'm going to say is you can look forward to more. Mm -hmm. Starting on September more. 11th. Yeah. I, it, this is like the busy season. I'm excited. So, like, I had mixed emotions, right? Like, I'm going to be burned as hell by the time we get to December. Like, I'm going to be literally toasted, right? Like... You know, uh, but I'm also really excited because uh, Worlds is like awesome. I'm already listening to the songs, getting into the like the vibe, right? Like I'm I'm super stoked for Worlds, and then we get out of Worlds, and like within 16 days, we're we have the free agency show. Like Worlds ends on October 31st, free agency opens on November 16th. It's it's always the third Monday of every November, and that's yeah. correct. That's Jacob's and, Worlds. So, yeah, that's yeah. Jacob's world, right? That's <laughs> his world. Is the world after the world? <laughs> yeah, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Why don't we talk about? <laughs> it's an exciting we haven't month. even we haven't even gotten to worlds yet. And actually, let's start Rift Rewind with some news regarding worlds. It appears that the Vietnamese contingent, uh, the two Vietnamese teams that would have represented Vietnam at worlds, are unable to attend worlds due to COVID concerns. Uh, it was reported by all three of my colleagues actually uh, that are on this program that there were concerns that those teams would not be able to re-enter their country of origin after attending Worlds. And so now, Worlds will go from a 24-team format to a 22-team format. Emily, starting with you, uh, how does... Uh, the, I guess the first thought is that we have less teams now. And so the flow of Worlds has changed. The play-in stage has changed. Certain teams, particularly in the LCK, will automatically now go to the group stage. Like, How does mm -hmm. this change the flow of Worlds? So there's a lot. Uh, I think the big thing is that there's now uh, two groups of five where the top four teams come out, which is what we were discussing kind of off camera prior to getting it confirmed uh, in the blog uh, this morning. Um, I think that's that's like the biggest format change, uh, because I think previously you kind of had uh, fewer teams to prep for and uh, like just a a smaller pool of teams to prep for just is easier. Um, but you also only one team from each of these groups is not going to be making it to a bracket format, right? So I mean, there's a little bit more of a risk because you could end up with major region teams facing major region teams to eliminate each other. Um, so we'll see how it works out. Uh, it should be pretty interesting depending on who drops single games in the single game uh, round robin. But I think the biggest thing for me is two things. One, the LCK seed moving up um, because there are positives and negatives to this. Uh, the first is that one thing I want to uh, stress about Damwon Gaming last year, and they said this in multiple interviews that we did with them and additionally um, their press conferences uh, before their semifinals loss, is that they said that being in play-ins actually really helped them because at that point they were a rookie team. They were new to the, you know, they were new to worlds. They didn't have a ton of experience. 
Um, and a lot of the meta shifts kind of start happening, uh, even if you don't necessarily see it on stage in scrims and there's like a ramp up time, right? So if you get to test that out on stage in a format where like for a third seed LCK team, you're probably making it out of plans, like not to be, you know, uh, super harsh on on minor region teams because I'm going to talk about that next. Uh, but I think like that that ramp up time and that adjustment to meta can actually be super beneficial to these third and and four seeds from major regions. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, whoever it does end up being that third seed, because now all three LCK teams are automatically in the main event. And then the other thing that makes me really sad, I know they said that they were going to award Vietnam their their prize pool money. But what I really hope is that they don't uh, affect Vietnam's actual seeding for future events. Like, let's just say that this year, like, we're already doing in a bubble. We didn't have MSI. It's kind of scuffed, guys. Like, most teams have been playing online. I think the quality of play, and this isn't any one region, it's like all regions. I think the quality of play has deteriorated a bit just because people have had to go online and offline. We had a patch change in qualifying an LCK team. They played on two different patches in like a massive delay. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things affecting teams qualifying for Worlds. I really hope that they don't take Vietnam Vietnam's spots away, especially their spot in the main event, because they earned that from previous events. And it was really sad to see how many people immediately jumped into trying to sell off Vietnam's spots immediately to other major region teams. It's difficult enough for minor region teams to perform against major regions. This is their one shot. Like, imagine being the two seed from Vietnam, and then you have to face, like, LGD in your bracket part, right? Like... It's just stop trying to take away these seeds from minor regions. And I really hope that Riot considers keeping Vietnam seeds that they did earn based on the results that they've already established as their parameters in previous events um, for future events, because I think it'd be really unfair if they took them away. It doesn't help that there were certain content creators out there fanning the flames that Cloud9 could potentially make worlds, which is full of uh, words I will not say on this program right now, but um, that was not the case. I mean, I think all three of us here, uh, uh, Emily, myself, and Tyler, all heard that it was going to be always a 22 format once they, uh, mm -hmm. once they, yeah, like, I didn't hear anything they, yeah, like, once they knew that Vietnam was, was a no-go, like, there wasn't a talk about replacing them, and there shouldn't be. Like, you can't just arbitrarily say, hey, Cloud9 and SKT, if that's who ends up being fourth, like, here you go. Come to world. I mean, I right? would have like, said no, Schalke that, like, in this example, but yeah. But also, yeah, like no, that's like BS. Uh, well, Shock is five, so that doesn't exactly. Yeah, right. you, yeah are like, you also inviting IG? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, we're just yeah, yeah. But like no, like you can't like yeah, like Cloud Nine is is like been to every single worlds and like whatever argument you want to make for them, right? Like I have nothing against C Nine. I know they're like I've known Jack for a really long time, and like ever I'm cool with everyone, and this is not a personal affront, but like you can't just like chop up Vietnam slots and go, here you go, like, auction them off to the highest bidder or the most popular team. Like, also, that's such a stupid premise. I'm, I'm glad I, that they're sticking with 22 teams. Can I just say that NA fans didn't even want these teams in playoffs? Like, they were like, oh, eight teams in playoffs, that's ridiculous. And then you want four of them to qualify for the world <sighs> championship when you were dunking on <laughs> your own teams. I mean, Tyler, I'm just you're okay with it, Tyler? Up. 
Tyler, step in as a resident NA fan. No, of course I am. Well, I will always take more spots at Worlds. And I think I think we can all agree, even if C9 didn't deserve to go, if they were able to go, we could have they have the potential to do something there. It's not that they would sure. just be dead weight. But no, they didn't deserve to go. I think the main reason why some people thought they might go is because their visas were approved. Like they are a team that could have gone on playing. So tomorrow. is every other team. Like yeah, exactly. literally, no, literally. And, and this has been the thing. Because I, I, I was talking to people about the other monitor regions yesterday. I checked in on LAN. I checked in on Brazil. I checked in on OC. Right? Yeah. Literally, literally for a month, more than a month now, in every single case, Riot has basically applied for visas for anyone who had a chance at qualifying for Worlds. Any team that had even a sliver of a chance. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's why we knew about the trick thing a few weeks ago with SK Gaming. If you had a 1% chance, Shalka, right? Like, mm -hmm. a very small little chance to even make Worlds. They went ahead and did preliminary paperwork for you in the event that, because it's such a, we've talked about this. Emily and I uh, interviewed Jeannie, uh, Jeannie Doy a few weeks ago on, on, uh, for our YouTube channel. Like this is, there is precedent here. Like this is a difficult year to get visas given the whole COVID situation. So like Riot's been incredibly diligent. So like uh, every team around the world Tyler? could go to, could theoretically go to China, but just because they could doesn't mean they should. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, I want to focus a little bit on Vietnam because I, I think I'm the only one here who's actually been to Vietnam. I was there last year for the mid-season mid Invitational. And when I went to MSI last year, I was so excited to go to Taipei. I was like, oh, man, Taiwan, Taipei, everyone's talking it up. My friends are like, oh, it's a great you know, great country, great city. Like, it's going to be so awesome with the you know, semifinals and finals are there. I was looking at Vietnam as like, yeah, cool, it's cool, Vietnam, never been there before. I'm sure it'll be fine. I went to Vietnam and loved it. I loved Vietnam so much. And I remember going to the first day of group stages in Vietnam. And I had t like 20, 25 people come up to me, like say, oh, you're the esports writer. You you write about the bad teams in North America. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Did they actually That's say me. that? That's hilarious. They might as well take, have. That's terrific. Take your left. Take, they, make, they made fun of me for the NA thing. Like, people would, <laughs> like, when, when, like, when Team Liquid wasn't doing well in group stages, the Vietnam fans did come up to me, and they were making some <laughs> jokes. But, no, I love the Vietnam fans so much because they are one of the most passionate fan bases in the entire world. The reason why Riot's not going to touch their two Cs is because Vietnam is the fastest rising region in all of League of Legends. I mean, I'm sure maybe China just has – more people coming in every every day so that's probably still the biggest but vietnam is overall is bigger than na currently when it comes to server size like vietnam that's is the a biggest server aren't they it's, it's a they're major second biggest yeah. player base it's i it's, mean they're they're on the verge of being a major region like yeah only, exactly. the only thing missing there is the results and i think the thing with vietnam is that they're always a curveball when it comes to just pure raw skill vietnam is they are up there with korea na Europe, China. It's always just been the strategic, the macro side of things that's kind of let them down. We've seen the Vongu Buffalo, uh, Gigabyte Marines. They have the talent. They play so fast, so quick. I just think they a little bit more seasoning, a few more years of Vietnam playing at these big stages and having the chances to play the damn ones, the uh, you know, the top gamings, uh, the top esports, the JD gamings. The more reps that Vietnam gets against these top teams, and they get to play against the best in the world. It's only going to up their level, and we're going to. And because of how popular the game is in Vietnam, we are going to see players like Sofum and you know Levy, and there's so many new stars from Vietnam cropping up every single year. They they are on the verge of being a major region with PCS yeah, I mean, with, with PCS kind of yeah, falling. Like, 
S of M is in worlds. Like all yeah. of Vietnam is going to be behind Suning yeah. now. Like all of that, all of those fans, they are now behind Suning almost entirely because I mean, S of M has been like a in out like certainly an LPL caliber jungler for the entirety of his time there. If not like to your point about individual mechanics, if yeah. not like one of the better junglers in the league at times, depending on meta. So like that that's just proof right there. Like he immediately came into the league, did not have a hard time keeping up, was completely fine, and now is finally going to worlds. Yeah, I mean so. I totally I totally think in a world where Taiwan is no longer a major region and the PCS lost that slot, like if they're going to promote another one and make it five major regions again like it used to be, that should be Vietnam. They should be that region. Like they are mm -hmm. like very competitive, right? And like Maybe some of us are still really high on like the Gigabyte Marines 2017 run, if I remember right, 2017 MSI. But yeah. like, but I or still think that worlds. this, um, I still think that generally like this, uh, this region is growing to Tower's point. And yeah, like arbitrarily replacing them after you already said, already made enough fuss that NA and uh, Korea are not getting four four seeds. Like you can't just change that uh, to to sort of like suit. And soothe fans. I think Riot made the right decision. I would have been very upset if they made the other one. So. Last question here before we move off of this topic is, what if this happens again? Uh, there are still more regions. Australia is one of them that I look at that may have a similar concern to Vietnam. So I was, what if this, what if this they, situation happens again? And what happens with Worlds? What if it so, comes down to further, Jacob? What, what, what do you think? So interestingly enough, um, I actually saw that the Vietnamese government are actually considering lifting travel bans uh, by the 15th of November. I mean, not November, 15th of September. So like, but I think Riot has to make the call now, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and, and that, and that, the way it was reported that I read at least was it is a they may lift the bans, not are lifting the bans on the 15th. I think it'd be different if there was some assurance. I am told that Australia is fine. Um, now, obviously, three of the worst country, countries in the world with COVID-19 are the United States, Brazil, and Australia, uh, all who are sending representatives to the World Championship this year. And I have not heard any concern about any of the three. Um, and like I said, Riot started diligence on the Australian visas a, a little bit over a month ago. So they've been they've been on top of it. Um, now, I, I think Emily wanted to make this point, but like this is a really big risk for Riot. Uh doing this event and and bringing all these uh international people into china especially with the leverage that they're putting on their chinese government relations uh with their parent company tencent so uh, i'll let emily expand on that but yeah like it this is uh this is a big deal and and it's unfortunate for vietnam but it seems like everybody else is okay as of right now yeah i mean as for as for what will happen with the format i think they'll just adjust the format accordingly um but with uh to Jacob's point, the main thing I wanted to stress is a like if the Vietnamese teams, if they had changed it so that they could go, the reason why they wouldn't have been able to go anyway is because the I believe the 14 day quarantine period would have overlapped with when they would have had to play. Um, but then additionally, I do think it's been kind of understated as to how much of a risk Riot is taking in doing this. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it, but I'm saying if you really think about it, if you think about the overarching implications of this, they have to 100% assure the Chinese government that they are not going to bring COVID-19 to Shanghai. Like, without a doubt. They have to be like, you need to trust us to bring in all of these people, including, to Jacob's point, people from incredibly high-risk countries like the U.S., like Brazil, and like Australia, 
And you have to tell the Chinese government, it will be okay. We will force them to quarantine and we will make sure that we will not cause an outbreak in one of your major cities. And that's actually like, uh, like I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but I, I do think that's something that's kind of gone like uns, unspoken about this world championship is just how much uh, faith and like confidence right have in themselves to be able to pull this off. And they're putting a lot of into it. Like, I mean, I've talked to some of the teams and like the rules that they are setting up for from substitutes to getting players on the planes to mm-hmm. quarantining. It's they like, it's not, it, it is a lot of faith. It is a lot of, you know, belief in wanting this to work and needing it to work with the partnership between Tencent and Ryan. Uh, or it is Ryan, but the, it, they've done so much work just to make sure everything comes off. And, and that's why I want to, kind of just say right now is we're talking about how this is going to be a scuffed world where, you know, there's no fans and, oh man, we're like, it's, it's really does suck that we're missing Vietnam. They are a region that should be at every world championship, more Vietnamese teams and less, I would say, but just the fact that we're having or more than likely going to have a world championship this year in less than a month with 22 teams from what, 10 different regions. It's amazing. I it's like, that's how awesome is that? Like, look how Overwatch right. League Overwatch League has no clue if they're going to have grand finals in South Korea, or which is even an online event, if they can even do it. Uh, Dota, Valve has basically said, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Uh, we don't, we have no plans. See you guys later. Have fun. Do By everything yourself. By the way, 34 million. Yeah, we got there. We have 30. Thanks for the 100 million, guys. We'll see you later. We'll see you later. Take care of the esports scene yourself. Uh, CSGO, they're wondering, what, we need updates about the Brazil major that's supposed to happen in November, which is not going to happen if you just look what's happening in Brazil. Like, almost every it's single not going to happen e-sport... in Brazil, that's for sure. Yeah. It may happen, but it may not happen. It's not going to happen in Brazil. I can every single esports scene right now is online at best. Some of them have just stopped completely with the, support, with the lack of support from the publisher. And Riot is going through the ringer to make this world championship work. Having world songs, having KDA, having... A, a final in a soccer stadium. Like the finals are still going to be a soccer stadium because I would have to presume they're going to have a big opening act. Like they are doing the best they can. Very, very, uh, a very tight window to get through. So I'm just appreciative that we're going to have a world most likely in some form. And it's still going to be a great world championship. And like just looking at the teams qualifying the last few weeks, the players that are going to be there, it, Chovy, Knight, Caps, like, I'm just so excited to see these midlanders face off and ooh, like, like I, I don't think we should have an asterisk on this world. We'll see as we get closer to the event, mm-hmm. if any more teams get denied, I don't believe that will be the case coming from Jacob where it does seem like every other region seems good to go. If that does happen it's 22 teams, I think this is, this is, should be considered a world championship. The pro, one of the hardest world championships to win, but it's still a world championship. Sort of disagree. I think with the with Vietnam not being mm. here, my big thing is the seating. Like, I don't want an undue amount of attention to be put on the results of this world as it pertains to seating in the future. That's yes. my only thing. I agree like, on that. When, I, when mm. I say it's scuffed, that is actually where I put the asterisk. Not in the competition itself, but I don't mm. think, like... Like Vietnam not being there actually, in my opinion, does really affect the way that teams are end up being seated because you are missing an entire yeah. region. Um, so that that's the main 
point that I want to make regarding saying it's scuffed. That's why I'm at the winner. I, I, the winner. Yeah. yeah, the winner. Yeah, that, be that is totally fine. Yeah, seating though, yes. The so. seating for next year though, because it's so results based, I don't want them to take this world as like, yes, we need no. to make adjustments off of this. So I echo your sentiments, Tyler. I think that this is a massive undertaking and Riot have, for all intents and purposes, done a fantastic job with even having Worlds underway. So 100% agree with you there. A team that doesn't have to worry about Worlds at all is Cloud9. Oh. Oh. How did no, we get here? Fine. How did we get here? How did this happen? Like, uh, Cloud9 Cloud should have played more Kha'Zix because then maybe they could have adapted. But uh, that was their biggest that was biggest issue. Uh, that was their biggest <laughs> that was their biggest issue the past eight weeks or seven weeks. Uh, Cloud9, there was a meta shift in the middle of summer split and Cloud9 looked lost. Like they just couldn't figure it out. And um, yeah, I mean, it, these games were kind of painful to watch. Um, there was a lot of things. There was a lot of things, yeah. Garda. It was a lack of adaptation. They lost the, they lost the eye of the tiger, Arda. They had so much focus in spring. They didn't go to MSI. They lost focus. They started playing around with different compositions, thinking too far ahead of themselves, saying, what comps can we think of that can work at Worlds? What can we do to better ourselves at Worlds? They lost attention at the task at hand, which was qualifying for Worlds, which spring did nothing for them. There was no championship points, so thanks, Ryan, for that. But, like... They lost focus, <laughs> and also it's, it's it's not just adaptation. I'm not salty. I'm not salty, Art. I'm not no. salty at all. No, you're not. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't just lack of adaptation. Some of their players just didn't play well. Licorice didn't play well. Blabber looked like a shell of himself compared to the peak he was during spring and some of the summer. Blabber was, in my opinion, one of the best mechanical junglers in the world during the spring split, and he looked. Nothing like that. And you also have to look at Niski, where teams started figuring out how to play against C9 style with this poor man's FPX. And even the, the rich man's FPX, the actual FPX didn't make worlds. So if they're not going to make worlds, poor man's FPX isn't going to make worlds either. It was just a, a lot of really, it was just a lot. The stars had to align for C9 not to make worlds. This is a weak year for North America. They have all the talent and they've they mechanically one of the best teams in North America, probably the best. A lot of things had to go wrong for C9 not to make it, and everyone went wrong. And it goes down from lack of adaptation. It's for everyone. Every person, there's not one weak link. To not make worlds with this team, it comes down on everyone's shoulders. Every player, every coach, everyone in the organization has to feel some sort of, of guilt for not making it because this team should have been at worlds. This team should have been at worlds. When I look at um, the Blabber Niski thing, I really want to bring up because, uh, yes, FPX did not qualify for Worlds, in case anyone was wondering. So they cannot defend their title. Um, but if you look at a lot of the top teams that we're looking at from South Korea, from uh, Europe, and from China that have qualified, you look at mid-jungle and you look at a much more standard style yeah. than what we saw from from FPX and what teams were doing in spring, right? So with the bot lane changes, you can basically have your bot lane be a lot more like non-interactive than it previously was. Um, and top lane is kind of its own thing. You can actually go a lot of different directions, I think, in top lane, depending on how you want to play. Um, 
But for a lot of like, especially the LPL teams, it was really interesting to see this shift because most of them have like, if you look at LGD, who was the last team to qualify, right? That team is like Peanut and Shie. And Chie, the way they play around Chie in mid lane is that he is, even on something like TF, which is his best champion, um, the champion, one of the, like, he used to be a, basically like a two trick and one of his champions was TF. Um, he doesn't play the same way that you'd expect Joinbee to play, right? Where he's going to side lanes constantly. Like, he's holding mid as a control point and that in is radiating out with Peanut. Um, you look at the other teams, JDG, uh, Knight, holds everything down for Carsa, uh, or, uh, oh my gosh, TES, Knight holds everything down for Carsa. JDG, they pick, they pick like strong champions that Yagout is comfortable on, and that allows Kanavi to go. Sofum is a main focal point of, uh, of Suning, and he is the one who like, arguably sometimes over-focuses on counter-jungling his opponent, but like you're looking at all these mid-jungles, and it's very different than how FPX played, and I think one thing that's always interesting is when there's an indisputed top team in the world, a lot of teams around the world try to emulate their style. And C9 and Niski uh, specifically was like really um, a huge proponent of how Join B played, uh, especially with some of these tankier mages and stuff like that. And yeah, like I think I think that's something to really consider when you look at meta shifts midsummer is what teams qualified, especially given their mid jungle. And look at what teams qualified in NA, right? Like I actually think Spika has been performing pretty well. Like obviously some of that is because Bjergsen has been playing really well. Out of his but mind. Yeah, like that is a, a massive difference, right? If you have a ton of mid control, Spika automatically has more freedom. Um, if you look at FlyQuest, I think Santorin is the best jungler in the league right now. Um, you look at Power of Evil, incredibly stable mid laner. Like, if you do not, if he does not want to leave mid lane, it's really difficult to get him to leave. Like, it's really hard to force him out because he can play to his turret really, really well and still hold mid as a control point. So I think that's a massive thing to look at how C9 played around Niski and Blabber. They never really adapted their mid jungle. Is this how much? How much of this? What percentage would you put to the meta not being in Cloud9's favor, current, yeah, right now? Zero. Uh, I, I talked to Bjergsen about this uh, before we even qualified. This was before the C9 TSM matchup, and he said, "I think he said it pretty perfectly." Is that as a team, you can't bank on one meta saving you. You can't. You every World Championship, a new meta comes. You have Ardent Sensor. You have the Juggernaut meta. Every no. summer, every end of the year, there's oh, Riot's always going to bring us a, a little, a nice tasty gift to change everything right before Worlds, to shake things up. And oh. for C9 and and for teams, you can't just bank on the meta screwing you over. We've gone, we are past the point where we can kind of just look at the meta and be like, that's, that's the meta's fault. That's not our fault. Like, if you're a top team in the world, you have to be cautious and know that meta changes are going to happen in the summer and around world time. Uh, but did the meta affect them? Obviously, but they can't blame it on that. And I think to, uh, to Emily's point is that at this world championship, if your team doesn't have a mid laner that you can rely on to hold mid, you are going to be eliminated very quickly. Hmm. Uh, the, if you're in a group of Knight or of Chovy or of Showmaker or of Caps and you have a mid laner who wants to skirt the line, you know, roam around, try to, try to, you know, tr you know, 
try to outthink these powerful, stable mid laners, it's not going to work. I, I do agree where really this world championship is going to come. Like, we're, the, the, the main focus for a lot of these teams is going to be that mid jungle synergy and especially having these strong mids who can control and be consistent in the mid lane. There's too many gods coming to this world championship in the mid lane. It's stacked. So, Jacob, Cloud9, don't make worlds. Certainly the conversation now is going to turn to, well, what happens to this team now? If you're a Cloud9 fan, you're already looking at the roster and already doing a post-mortem, and you're looking at it and saying, hmm, what about this person? What about this person? What do you think is going to happen with the Cloud9 roster moving forward? What I would like to see happen is probably not what will happen. I have... I was pretty down on Licorice these playoffs. He looked, uh, and and I I think it, it, actually I want to back up for a second. Licorice was a lot better than I think people gave him credit for. Um, at certain points of the season, I think at one point when they were on top, people didn't give him enough love because someday was having a really good uh really good split in spring. Um, at the same time that that uh, at the same time that C9 was popping off, um. So, but Licorice looked really off. Like, he, he looked outclassed for the majority of the playoffs. Like, I was not impressed by watching all these games. Um, he was, he generally seemed to be a wink link. Um, I don't know how you upgrade that position, uh, especially with your import slots taken up by Niski and Sven. Um, what I think will happen, and again, I will, I will say speculatory here. Um, uh, and not reporting, um, I would be quite surprised if, uh, there are not changes and I would point to, uh, at minimum mid lane and potentially even more, um, for those changes to come. Uh, Niski is not as good as I thought he was. Um, and I think that there are other people that feel that way. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that. I think the changes will come, even though this team was incredibly costly. I don't see a world, though, where this team moves on from Licorice, Licorice Blabber, or uh, Vulcan, though. I think those guys are pretty yeah. secure. Des despite, yeah. yeah, I mean, despite Licorice, uh, despite Licorice being an underperformer in the playoffs. Maurice. Yeah, they're top, top homegrown talent. It's really hard to replace them. And, uh, my thing, and I think the reason why there will be at least one change is it's the team liquid factor of 20, 2019 going to 2020, where Yes, on paper, you know, Jensen, Impact, Doublelift, like, Core JJ, these guys, like Smithy, like, they won championships together. Like, they won. It was great. It was awesome. But for them to really get over that hump, you have to, you'd have to do something at Worlds. Where this thing is the same thing, same thing with C9, right? They can run it back. They can come back in spring, run it back the same five. And if they crush spring, what, what does it matter? Nothing matters. Nothing would matter with this five until nine months into the season when they're qualifying for Worlds or not qualifying. And that kind of pressure and kind of nervousness, that kind of uh, that kind of uh, awkwardness of just kind of waiting until it really matters with the same five, where you can't really make up what you really can't do because until spring matters, it doesn't. Ma spring really doesn't matter. C9 and Doublelift have kind of shown us that this year, especially with the new rules. And there are a few interesting free agents on the market. Uh, I don't, I don't, like, obviously, I think the biggest free agent will be Chovy. Chovy will be a free agent after this year. We'll see if DRX could somehow lock him down. Uh, they didn't have the biggest offer for him last split. 
Uh, he turned down multi-million dollars, three-plus million dollars in the case, to not go to either China or North America. Uh, he signed a one-year deal to look towards maybe winning a championship with DRX and his, you know, mentor, his coach, like his his close friend, CB Max, and then go to a bigger team or a, a more uh, a bigger contract in 2021. Uh, COVID might shut that down. Him getting a visa might be near impossible if he wants to come to NA or China. But I do think the one thing that CNN does have is they have Powell, Fox, and Fudge. And I've been a big proponent of Powell Hux forever. I was on his, I covered him during the scouting grounds three years ago when it was him, uh, Vulcan, and Blabber all in the same scouting grounds team. And he was the MVP of that team. He was the best performing player. He's been lost in the academy for the last few years, but he's really had a standout year on Cloud9 where he's ready to be a top six, top five mid laner in LCS tomorrow. He's been top of NA solo queue, which you know is, not the greatest accomplishment in the world. It's not being like Showmaker who has three top 10 accounts in South Korea. But Powell Fox is a mechanically gifted mid laner, which we don't have a lot in North America. And I think he's actually ready through winning uh, Academy a few times, being in the Academy system for three years. I think Powell Fox is ready to get promoted. If if you're C9, you look maybe at a two-man uh, no mid lane substitute role with Powell Fox and Niski. If you're going to go the... The conservative route. If you're not going to swing for the fences for a Chovy, then I think Powell Fox is a really good uh, uh, someone you really do have to try out next year alongside Niski because I do think two both of them play differing styles. I think they could offer different things to C9 overall. So, just a side note here: as chat was listening to this conversation, I didn't even think about this, and this mm -hmm. is like so surreal to even agree with tsm daniels who's a long time uh viewer of this show we see him in chat a lot said hot uh, hot take golden guardians had a better playoff run than c9 mm. and if you think about it they did they did they beat tsm yeah 3-0 but like you would ne yes, nobody would have ever guessed that other than c9 yeah like it's just it's just crazy to think that we've come to that point that that is a factual statement they played a better FPX than C9 did. <laughs> they were the better poor man's FPX. I mean, Closer had a much better uh, performance this playoffs than uh, Blabber did, which I did not expect coming into it. But uh, I also want, and also I think another thing on the Palafox spot, if you can play Palafox mid, that allows you to have an open import slot. You could throw Fudge in there too. Fudge is maybe the best academy player right now in North America, but he's Australian. So he kind of takes an import slot. So that the one thing we should mention is that all of the Cloud9 players, their contracts expire in 2022. So it would be a release or a trade. Not that or I, yeah, not that I think that it matters. I think yeah. I think so they would have a, enough market, yeah. um, enough market to be bought out. If Hooney's contract can get out of in half a split, any contract can get out of. I think you make a very good point there. Yes, Mr. Uh, 2.3. <laughs> uh, switching teams was not necessarily on people's bingo cards, uh, but neither was C9 not making worlds. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How many, if you look back, just to tie a bow on the C9 conversation, how many months or how many weeks this entire year were C9 below average or bad? Even some of their summer losses, they still looked fine. Like, it it wasn't until 
I would say it wasn't until we saw some of the meta shifts coming into the first round of playoffs that I would say C9 looked like mm. pretty lost in terms of... Um, I, I'm not going to touch on this too much because I know I went over it on the last show, but like in terms of their initial drafts and their first playoff series. Um, so I think that like that's really where it was like, oh, okay, this team is in trouble because it doesn't look like they're particularly comfortable in the current meta, um, which again, isn't an excuse. And I don't think like, I don't think C9 are using that as an excuse at all. Right. Um, and you can bounce back from having a really bad meta read uh, coming into the playoffs as well. We've seen it from other teams. Uh, so I, I do think they didn't start like, in my opinion, they didn't start looking really like rough until that first playoff round yeah versus fly quest was pretty disappointing uh they seem to not have a read on the meta set top playing set top they had the obsession of yumi putting vulcan on that champion over it just it, it, it it's really like, yumi yeah over and over it had to work in scrims and i think i think the one and i really do think missing msi really hurt this team. This team, even if they went to MSI and got their butts kicked, I still think they would have learned more in that two-week yes. tournament than they learned the entire summer split. And just like the Vietnam team, like it, it's a it's a year where a lot of teams from a lot of regions are going to have regrets and feel like they got cheated one way or another. So C9, obviously, like it's way worse for Vietnam, right? Vietnam team, like Team Flash have had an amazing year. They're not going to get to go to World even though they qualify. Mm-hmm. So can't really cry over C9 missing MSI, but they desperately needed that tournament. They desperately needed to go to MSI and be getting their butts kicked or actually doing well, scrimming against like scrimming against the best team, scrimming against T1 and uh, JD Gaming and you know G2. They would have they would have mm-hmm. leveled up and they would have maybe brought something back to North America too. So it just it's a year wasted. It's a year that I said this last week. Neither TSM or C9 could warrant losing. One of them is going to lose, and the next six months are just going to suck. The next until and for C nine, it's going to suck until next year's Worlds qualifiers. Because no matter what they do now, no matter if they go eighteen and zero in spring and they destroy everyone, and you know they look like the best team ever. Yeah, we've, but. we've seen it. Ha- we've seen it before now, and we we are going to get tricked again. And that's the sucky thing about this entire situation is that nothing they can do in the short term can fix this. Nothing in the short term of killing everyone in spring, destroying everyone in summer, until they can actually qualify for Worlds, there's always going to be this doubt in the back of their head, are they going to choke again? And that's what's going to gnaw at them for the next, you know, six-plus months. And that's why they couldn't lose that series to TSM, and they did. While Doublelift yep. was right, <laughs> spring split does not matter, and C9 learned that the hard way. So let's set the table for the main conversation on this program here tonight. Spring split doesn't matter. That was said <laughs> during spring split by Doublelift, who was on another team in spring. As you recall, he was part of Team Liquid. They were coming off the dynasty run of winning four splits in a row, but a disappointing performance at the 2019 Worlds. And then the format changed for the LCS, and there were no spring split implications. And so there was a lot of lack of motivation, particularly among veterans in the LCS, most of all, most vocal of all, Doublelift. This is what Doublelift said in week six of spring. Uh, Everyone's not playing their best. And then for me personally, I feel like I should have 
put myself at a higher standard or something, but pretty much just didn't care. And then now that we're behind, I think I care a lot more. Um, I think I realized when we started losing a lot that I care about my reputation and I don't have like an indestructible reputation just because I won so many times domestically. Uh, I don't want people to look at my play and be like, wow, he sucks now. Now that, now that we have the rest of the split to go, like nine something more games like that, the, the, the other 50%, I feel pretty good because we're actually in a position and uh, I haven't been in a bad position like that in a long time. So I really welcome the change of pace and I like feeling like, oh, wow, the pressure's on. We might not make playoffs or like, you know, we might not especially be like top two. I think that's like really unrealistic now. And actually, I think like, if you just look at the way we're playing, we're not even really a top team anymore. So I, I think it's really cool. I think I need the stress in my life a bit to feel motivated. Well, we know the story from here. Double lift switches teams. They make playoffs. They eliminate Cloud9. And now TSM are going to Worlds. Spring split didn't matter. Nope. Some might even say that it is embarrassing that... Cloud9, who dominated pretty much all of the entire season, do not have the opportunity to go the to go to Worlds and rebound from a half a month, month's worth of poor performances. Now we find ourselves in a situation where they are on the outside looking in, and Doublelift and his team are going to Worlds, taking nothing away from that accomplishment. Let's talk about the format itself. Spring split didn't matter. Doublelift got the final say, the last laugh, TSM going to Worlds. To me, Jacob, I find it unfortunate. This is almost a nightmare scenario for this format for the LCS, because for me, it's almost as if it has to change next season. I mean, I think... I have a couple of different opinions here, in the sense that, like, if the spring splint doesn't matter, then test out your academy talent right like try to develop that way like that's the one thing all of north america has not done well is invest in young talent um it, generally tactical and and johnson are actually tactical is probably the only real example of this i i say that because they didn't even like they wanted johnson but they didn't want to play with him forever if you remember they were trying to get sneaky um at the time so like he wasn't like dignitas's first choice in the way that tactical was liquid's first choice um once double if pieced out but yeah, like if if so if it doesn't matter, then invest in your talent and don't care so much about winning. But this brings me back to exactly what I've talked about on this show before that like most esports teams can't make money unless they win, right? Like they have nothing that makes them interesting unless they're the, a winning team. And so in that way, spring split matters. <laughs> but in terms of the actual competition, world qualification, and everything else, it it doesn't. Um, yeah, I and it, it makes me upset that it doesn't. I didn't like the change when they announced that Spring Split didn't have championship points or anything attached to it. Um, because I think you should have to be one of the best teams all year to be able to go to the World Championship. I think you have to, like, being able to play the whole year, it should be the thing. The only th like, unless every single region would change to an open tournament format in a post-COVID world where everyone's traveling and playing each other more frequently, which isn't going to happen, by the way. No. Um, <laughs> but unless, it would, and, but it never will because of LPL. Yeah. Yeah, if 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 that happened, we're we're having a different conversation here, but it's not going to happen, um, and therefore we are in this situation. But in a teams, if you're listening, play your academy players next year if the format's the same. Please, uh, let them get some reps. So I believe, and I've said this to friends off camera, and I've said it to you guys off camera. 
I can't believe LPL ended up having the best qualification format for Worlds after having some of the worst qualifications for Worlds. Um, they were outdone, in my opinion, by the issues that the LCK had this past week, which was unfortunate. And again, like that's more due to COVID concerns than, you know, having to hotfix Skarner in a patch that qualified an IG team that probably shouldn't have gone in 2015. Um or having to play like uh, some ridiculous like seven best of fives back to back to back. Uh, those have all been in previous LPL formats. But I think LPL all across the board was the region that qualified the teams that had been at the top uh, of their region in TE, uh, TES and JDG um, in, in a really fair way where summer is still weighted very heavily. Um, because summer should matter more than spring in terms of world's qualification. Um, otherwise, we get into another Najin Black Sword uh, thing. But I do think, and I know we'll we'll talk about Rogue because obviously they looked a lot better in their series against Mad Lions than they did in their first playoff series. But I still do think that you should not be able to qualify based on your spring points to the world's for like a world championship um that was my issue with rogue not that i was dunking on them for being bad um they they obviously made adjustments from their uh first series to their second and they looked significantly better um i think the big thing with uh with um them qualifying early is that they qualified based on the spring points that they made to the point where people like players were actually asking me why they, like players in NA were asking me why Rogue had qualified uh, based on championship points. Um, so I think like NA went one way and LEC went another way. And I feel like they could definitely meet in the middle in terms of looking at how points are weighted. I think spring split should count for something. Um, it's particularly egregious this year because we didn't have an MSI, right? Like we, the only like international competition we had was MSC between the South Korean and Chinese teams. Um, but I think for, for across the board, uh, out, outside of like hiccups with LCK, they're probably like second in terms of, uh, qualifying what teams gave like the best, but then you also have T1 who might not make it and they were spring champions. So that's another thing to consider. Um, you have and we had talked about this previously with g2 and Fnatic. like are they going to heat up after having really rough regular seasons and the answer is obviously yes like these two are still at the top of europe they both came out and had convincing playoff performances so i think spring split should matter i don't think it should have zero points like it did in north america because i think it leads to a lot of stagnation players not caring, uh, organizations not caring, and not caring in a way that, to, Jay to wrap all the way back around to Jacob's point, doesn't have them test out their own talent, which, like, if spring split doesn't matter, like, why not? Especially right now, and they might not have known this at the very beginning of spring split, but right now, you might not have the option to get that sweet South Korean or European player that you want because of visa issues or because they don't want to leave because the U.S. has dealt with COVID really terribly. Um, and you might only have North American talent to look at. And now you haven't really scouted the, these players. You haven't really tested them out in anything beyond Academy. So um, 
I think spring split should matter. I also think that another team that's really happy about this is TL for obvious reasons, again, that were beyond their control because it was visa issues. It wasn't like necessarily players not caring, although Doublelift was also on that team before Tactical started. I hate the spring split, Arda. All my homies hate the spring split. The spring split sucks. I wish it was abolished. I wish it was eradicated. I hate the spring split. I don't like the new playoff. I don't like the new playoff formats in Europe or North America. I think they take away from the actual championship. I feel like the championships have been diluted in both North America and Europe with the uh, qualification for Worlds being yes. the number one thing over the World the Championship. More people care about who's qualifying for Worlds than who's actually going to raise the domestic trophy, which I think is a step backwards of everything Rise always preached about pres- making uh, their titles prestigious. I do think that the lack of playing arenas does take away from that as well. So maybe in a uh, post-COVID world where we're having these finals in 15,000-seat arenas, it'll feel more special and it'll feel more important to win a title over just making Worlds. But the reason why none of this is going to change, and the reason why uh, Riot's are probably going to laugh at us talking about all this is because sponsorships are up, numbers are way up across the board, people are 500,000-plus watching TL versus TSM, or uh, Cloud9 versus TSM, 800,000-plus watching Fnatic versus G2. Like, the numbers on every single region are way through the roof. It doesn't matter if it's North America, Korea, China. In terms of just the Twitch viewership, the YouTube viewership, the Western viewership, and I'm sure China viewership is also just going way up because that's all that China knows how to do when it comes to League of Legends is just continue growing. It's all going well. And with other esports, we're saying, and you would say, oh, it's the COVID effect. Like, everyone's home, everyone's watching, you know, Twitch. That must mean, like, it has to be a, a recording thing, right? No, other, some other esports are down. We're seeing lesser numbers across the board and with a lot of other esports where for League of Legends, it just keeps growing. And we can talk all day about how, you know, oh, spring split sucks. I wish we could go to an open circuit. Uh, I wish the summer split mattered more than actually qualifying for Worlds. But if you're Riot and you're saying, oh, hey, we just got McDonald's and LSAK sponsorship. Oh, man, we're getting 900000 plus for a, a G2 Fnatic series. Like, oh, man, people actually care about NA still? Like, oh, man. There's no reason to change because they just continue bringing viewers. People, obviously, we're the minority here because people are tuning in. People are excited about these new format changes. And spring, even though it doesn't matter necessarily, people are always going to turn into, tune into spring because it's the new lineups, right? It's like, oh, man, I can't wait to see Chovy on this team or Naguri on this team. Oh, man. Like, it, there's always that thing of the spring split always usually generally gets more viewers than summer because people are more excited at the beginning of the year because it's always the, the, the newness, the freshness of having a new year upon us. And I think this year has been one of the years, amazingly, where the summer split has just been way up in terms of viewership. and. I think if you're right, you're ecstatic about how everything is going. Every every number, every metric seems to be on the way up where your competitors have no clue what they're doing. A lot of them just have just quit during the COVID era. So uh, I hate the spring split. All my homies do, but the, the, the my you know the hundred thousand the eight hundred thousand people watching G two versus Fag obviously don't care that the spring split doesn't matter. So so is it better for like like is this I'm trying to I'm trying to quantify this. Is this a low point for hardcore League of Legends fans, but a high point for casual League of Legends fans? 
I mean, I don't think it's necessarily that. I, I think it's a I think it's a low point of League of Legends quality due yeah. to like nothing like every yeah, everything beyond everyone's control. Like I don't think uh I don't think that is like fair to blame Riot for, right? Like they don't well, have I'm not blaming Riot, I'm just trying to assess the but the, like the raising viewership I mean, versus the lack of passion for spring split. Among, even summer split in the well among the yeah among show. us like yeah, we least. don't want spring split uh, but like people people do mm -hmm. um i mean i think i don't think it's as simple as that um but i think one of the reasons why summer may be a lot more heavily weighted viewership wise is because we didn't have in a mid-season title like we didn't have um, and, and say what you want about uh, MSI, but like I do think that fans are really hungry for mm. a, a world yes. championship because we haven't had any, you know, we haven't been able to have international events. Like Rift Rivals was already going to be gone, which fine. The only one that teams actually cared about was the uh, Chinese versus South Korean versus uh, like LMS slash now PCS teams. Um, but they ended up having MSC, and from what I know, that was like really, really well viewed. And additionally, talking to uh, Ashley today um, about like LCK and LPL stuff, she said that a lot of LCK, yeah, LCK. Sorry, Ashley Kong, you should know her. She does amazing video interviews, and also she's done some of those for us. But she operates Horizon. Um, you know, she, we were talking about it, and she said that a lot of the LCK teams took what they learned at MSC and then applied it to their summer split. And viewers are just really, really, really hungry to see teams face each other, which is why they have been tuning in for summer. Um, they have been tuning in to see how teams will qualify for Worlds. We'll see if those numbers stay now that this coming week of finals is in the West anyway is going to be... Um, I mean, obviously, people will be tuning into LCK because they're they're finals matter in terms of world's qualification um in terms of seeding for uh europe and na um i don't think it super matters to be quite honest uh and, and, yeah depending on how you feel about plans but then there's also an argument that that can actually help teams mm. so i know c9 has said it's helped them like i brought up previously damwon said it helped them a lot so you can be of two minds, actually, depending on how you feel like your specific team, because every team's different, right? Every player's different. So they're all going to adapt to play-ins differently. Um, they'll place different values on it. It'll depend on whether your team would prefer a higher seed or not. Like I know talking to PoE said FlyQuest preferred yeah. having the higher seed that they earned, right? So um, I think that it'll depend on what we see from this weekend in the West in terms of like, do people still care that it's going to be a finals where you're not really as concerned over world's qualification because everyone's qualified. Cause I don't think fans care about seating. I think players and staff and like really hardcore fans do, but I don't think the casual fans necessarily no. care about world seating as much as they care about, did my team qualify for worlds? Yeah. And the, I mean, then the benefit is that you still have Fnatic, you still have G2, you have TSM, which, you know, Say what you want about say what you want about their operations this year. TSM is still a wildly popular team with a ton of fans. Yes, they are. Um, 
so yeah, like you, you have a lot of uh, a lot of teams left in there that are going to draw viewership as well. So you mentioned this, Emily, uh, in uh, in your point there. Uh, CJ90 says if MSI happened and C9, well, and the, if C9 wanted, that's the speculation part, but we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, Springs matters for qualification to MSI. So, like, the fact that we didn't have MSI, I think, mm -hmm. exacerbates this mm -hmm. point. Definitely. But this point is still valid, is it not? Like, MSI aside, yes, we've talked at length on this program about how important MSI is for the development of teams, particularly how much better Cloud9 would have been and possibly been able to take that into summer playoffs if they had that MSI experience. Totally understood. With that said, there's still no bearing whatsoever from Spring, spring Split to Worlds qualification. And I think mm -hmm. ultimately Worlds will always be the biggest Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for that sure. Matters. Team so, Liquid literally made a final of MSI last year and people ragged on them for knocking out Worlds. Like, yeah, if no M one cared. If, if MSI had any credence towards anything, people would be like, "Oh man, Teal had an amazing year. They made a they made an international final. No one cared. No one cared. They made the MSI final. No one cared. G two won after they lost to FBX. No one talks about their MSI title. They talk about how they lost O three to FBX in the final. Like Worlds is the end all be all. And Riot Riot has done a very good job of. We can hate it. I, I much would rather an open circuit. I would love to see an IEM and a DreamHack and an MLG and a Flashpoint where we get to see, you know, team, we get to see damn one versus, you know, G2 randomly three times a year or four times a year. But keeping, keeping the teams apart, having them have only have two tournaments a year with one of them being by far the biggest one of the year, it creates hype. Like, mm -hmm. I would not be that We're going to break viewership numbers again this year because – People are excited to see what happens when we have we have an entire year of hypothetically think of like Knight versus Caps. Oh my god, Jackie Love versus Perks. Like like these and then we finally get to see it at the end of the year. It's a culmination of everything. And Riot, more than any other uh publisher, has found a way to market their finals and the world championships and make it special and make it feel like like oh it's just it's like Christmas. I've I've said this on, on Twitter. They've made the world season feel like Christmas where yes. You, you have the world songs. You have the hype of, you like, oh, man, KDA, a new KDA album. They have, oh, the promotional images. They make it feel like it's world season. Where other sports leagues and other esports leagues, it's like, oh, it's the Overwatch League playoffs, guys, in two days. Yay. Like, it for Worlds, Riot's made Worlds feel like it's its own two-month-a-year event. Yeah. And it all comes down to this one big tournament. And it's there are some positives to that. There's some negatives to it. But if I had to choose one, I'll always take the World Season because no other esports event, TI, CSGO majors, I've been to them all. Nothing gets me more hype than Worlds. Well, Emily, another team that doesn't have to worry about Worlds this year is Fun Plus Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> My heart. Uh, <laughs> duh, die, also, Phoenix, I die. Didn't make it, though. I told you, Tyler. Uh, die, Phoenix. IG... I was I was so scared. When, I was so I was, tilted. No, I was so tilted when they beat FBX. Actually, I was so scared when Vietnam got blocked because, like, are they going to invite IG? Like, are they just going to be like, oh, fifteen? No. Yeah, like, no. IG needs to break. Like, the shy needs to leave. Rookie being, they have to depart. That core needs to yeah. find greener pastures. The shy needs a coach that will actually stop him from inting. He had thirty deaths in like three games. The man is. 
<laughs> the man, the man. Yeah, he uh, he was impressive. Um, I think the big so the big narrative around China this year that I think people should be paying attention to to with FPX not making it specifically. Um, outside of the mid jungle thing that I brought up earlier, which I think is also something people should be paying attention to, just from a playstyle thing, uh, is that we have so many new organizations and so many rookies at Worlds from China. And China, despite the fact that I will say this is, I would say their weakest season of LPL in about two years, I think just because they had to go again offline, back online, then uh, playing without audiences, that kind of thing, um, which everyone had to do. I, I say this across the board for all regions. Um, there are, there's so much young talent that was able to come up this year in China. Like you saw players that we'd already identified uh, who have been in the league for a few years and hadn't, hadn't really been able to prove themselves from a title perspective or a results perspective, like, um, you know, Yakao, Zoom, uh, Kanavi. Uh, I think of him as an LPL player, despite the fact that he is South Korean in kind of a similar way that I think of Joinbee as an LPL player. Um, then you have like TES, you have uh, Knight, you have 369, who I still think is like, incredibly underrated top laner by the international community. Um, you have someone like Sofum, who's been SFM, who's been in the league for a while. Um, and he's Vietnamese, but and all of Vietnam will be behind him, like I said. But on Sooning, it's a really interesting mixture because you have him. You have Bin, who is, mm. I think, really good, despite the fact that he makes a lot of mistakes because he is a rookie. You have Angel in the mid lane. And then you have Juan Fung, who is a bot laner that honestly like everyone should be watching this kid in terms of like the next breakout LPL bot lane star is Juan Fong. Um, his story is also really interesting and incredibly heartbreaking. The LPL did a feature, a written feature, an interview with him um, that was translated by iCrystallization on Twitter. So you can look at her Twitter feed and find it. It's really, really good. Um, but you have, then you have a, uh, LGD, who has been here before, you know, Wayless oversaw from the Chinese desk their qualification in regional finals. Um, but that's been kind of the big story. And then you have like Victory Five, who was arguably, uh, you know, Worlds maybe could have made it if if there hadn't been all that mess with IG. So um, I think you that that's like the main story in LPL. And I think one of the reasons why FPX didn't make it outside of a playstyle issue and outside of everyone's going to dunk on Khan and the team's decision to bring him in, et cetera, et cetera. And the fact that Tian and Chris were underperforming. And there's a lot of reasons why FPX didn't look as strong this year. Um, but I think one of them is just that we have so much up and coming Chinese talent, either true rookies like Yu Yancha or Huanfeng or, um, People like 369 or Zoom or Yakao or Knight who have been in the league for a little while, who are now really, really starting to come into their own and are on teams that draft well around how they play, that really make the most of their play style. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really happy with all four Chinese teams that are going. Um, I'm sad that FPX doesn't get to defend their title. Um, I would I would have liked to see them qualify. Um as much as I love IG, I'm not as sad that they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Last point on this, Tyler. I wholeheartedly agree, and I agree that I was talking to my other day, and he asked me, "What is the storyline of the 2020 Worlds outside of the COVID thing? Outside of that, what is kind of 
the stories you like what's the overarching storyline I, I said i this might be the start of a new era and obviously it's the 10th year you would feel like this is a new chapter beginning but if you look at every major region china you have of nightly in the pack you have uh south korea you have chovi and showmaker and kiria leading the pack of the new generation there look over at europe you have the mad lions and the larsons of rogue and you have all this young talent you know coming from there and then you have north america where we have tactical, and that's it. We have tactical, baby. We got one player, one and speaker. Oh, sp- oh, speak- oh, sorry, sorry, speaking. We have, yeah, so we have two. We have two. We have speaking tactical, but I do feel like this year's world championship is 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 especially if T one doesn't make it with FBX losing, if IG losing, if T one doesn't make it. I really do feel like it's a new era, and this mm-hmm. is the beginning of a new era, especially if Knight, Showmaker, Chovy, and even Caps to extent. I know Caps is. A veteran now. It's just, it feels weird to say he's a veteran. He only, he's only been playing for three years. He's only he's already made two world finals. It does feel like this is a new generation of worlds where we're going to see a lot of new stars. Kind of like back in 2013 when we had Cool, uh, cool and Faker and Uzi make their debuts on the world stage. I feel like 2020 is going to be, even though Showmaker and Chovy were there last year, I think they are much better players than they were in their rookie seasons. I think this is the year those two players take a step up. I think Knight is – I we'll t- we're going to talk about Knight so much in the next, you know, two months of Worlds yep. and pre-Worlds coverage. He is the main character, I would say, of this entire Worlds. He he has, he has the coolest nickname of every player in the world. <laughs> the, the golden left hand. How cool is that? That's the coolest – that is an anime nickname if there ever was one. But I think 2020 Worlds is all about the new era, and I think we have a lot of new stars, even from NA, that are going to show up at the World Championship. So a couple of things to mention there, uh, Tyler, an announcement before an announcement, perhaps uh, look forward to some announcements from ESPN Esports. I'll just leave it at that as it pertains to world coverage. What we can tell you that Tyler mentioned at the top of the program is we will be broadcasting our entire process on delivering you the top 20 players at Worlds. Uh, that entire list is just going to be an ongoing conversation between <laughs> the four people you see here. Basically, the Among Us of League of Legends conversations, uh, where bartering and bribery and deceit and backstabbing and collusion Mm. is all allowed and on the table. Can I I get Bjergsen in the top 20? Can I get him to the top 20? Can Can I get my man Bjergsen in? Can I get him in somehow? Will it happen? All I'm saying is by the end of this, God Gilius is getting in the top 20. That's all I'm saying. He's not even going. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't matter. He's sneaking in. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Anyhow, these are the types of conversations you can look forward to on September the 11th. Uh, time to be announced. Keep it locked on our Twitter account, ESPN underscore esports. We will have full details there and exactly what format the show is going to be and what we're going to do, etc. It's going to be a ton of fun. Let's end the show on this. All three of you have prepared in honor of Fun Plus Phoenix. Uh, maybe they're not so honored that we're doing this, mm. but in honor of Fun Plus Phoenix not making Worlds 2020 after winning in Worlds 2019, we thought we would present you all a list of teams that did not have great follow up years after winning a world championship the previous year. So we're going to go around the horn and we're going to talk about one each. Tyler, let's start with you. Which one is your selection? Uh, I know the three teams. I don't know which one exactly is my selection. Uh, I will. I guess I will start off with the team that I remember was fondly kind of failing at the world championships. It was 
back in 2018, Genji, they were the prototypical South Korean team. They played the most standard scaling style possible. It was beautiful in 2017. That was the way you played League of Legends. If you played sloppy and aggressive and all you did was fight all the time, everyone made fun of the LPL. This was when Emily was attacked for liking the LPL. and like, oh, the LPL will never win anything. They're such a, they're such a messy region. They don't play with the proper etiquette like South Korean League of Legends, yeah. like Gen G and Samsung, where we would scale until 40 minutes. Ruler would have six items. Kuve would, you know, get the space for him, get into the back lines, let Ruler take care of business. Ambition would just go to the jungle for 35 minutes on Rek'Sai, not even touch any of his lanes. And that was how you played League of Legends. You played counterattacking styles. You scaled until late. And Gen G, Samsung Galaxy at the time, did it perfectly enough to win the world championship, put Crayon on that Malzahar, negated Faker for three straight games, swept Faker, world champions. 2018, they came back and did the same exact style, the perfected South Korean style in South Korea. Only one difference. Uh, the bet had totally shifted at Worlds. The standard Korean style was thrown out. All of the all these teams like Vitality, Cloud9, started playing like it was just fight, fight, fight. Fnatic and IG were also leading the charge with that kind of just soul lane. Let's just brawl around the map. Let's just have fights every five seconds. Let's all be the LPL. And Gen G could not adapt. Gen G played their proper etiquette style. They were like, hey guys, let's just wait till 45 minutes until Ruler has the six items. No one was listening. They were getting bought dove at five minutes. It was not a pretty sight. And I my last one of the lasting images I have of the 2018 World Championships is after Genji got knocked out in the group stages, last place, the first South Korean team to ever finish last place in groups, I remember Ambition standing outside the press area, smoking a cigarette, just looking very, very sad. And everyone on that team looked very, very sad. So I think that was the turning of a new a new page, where I think for the last two years with LPLs one, we've seen a lot more aggro up-tempo style and the old south korean ways kind of become archaic where if you play that 45 minute gen air uh style you're not applauded anymore you're laughed at if you play a try to play around a tight scaling uh you know trying to press people with vision try to get your ad carry to six items like you know how team liquid did it how gen g did it it's frowned upon now it's, it's laughed at it's seen as a joke it's it's you have to play more proactive and it's a total difference from three years ago when the LPL was the laughing stock and everyone was like, they're too sloppy to ever win anything. Ugh. So, yeah, Genji from 2018 to 2017 to 2018 did not have the they, – they, they kind of were the end of the South Korean 45-minute uh, late-scaling uh, meta. Jacob. I want to talk a little bit about Samsung White. This is uh, the other Samsung team. Um, very fond of my heart, by the way. There, you know, I didn't really realize this at the time, but I do realize it now. I had a conversation with uh, Mr. Monte Cristo for some of our world's content a few weeks ago, and and the point that he made to me about Samsung White and why the 2014 World Championship is so special. So uh, rewind for a moment. The uh, 2013 World Championship final was at uh, the Staples Center, and that was kind of like the League of Legends has made it moment. But the 2014 Championship, as you kind of see the pan of the crowd here with B-roll, like, this was huge, and this team was incredible. Um, the big thing, point that Monty made was that, like, 
for the first time ever, like Imagine Dragons, a giant celebrity band was performing and the camera stayed focused on Samsung White and not the famous band. Like that was like, that cannot be understated. He actually made a really good point to me about that. And the fact that like the focus was on the game and it was on the players who won the championship. And that was like a huge deal in that in that celebrating ceremony. This team was a joy to watch. Uh, this this doesn't feel like to me all that long ago, but it it was six years ago. Um, and and uh, yeah, I mean, like it, Dandy just being this like hyper aggressive, incredibly fun jungler to watch, and like Mata being like the ultimate support. Like I will always remember those two guys, two of the best people to ever play this game, and and we're at the top of their level. And and this Samsung team was awesome because like they like really struggled to beat Samsung Blue throughout the entirety of the year. They ended up playing a Samsung Blue at the World Semifinals, and they 3-0'd them. They, like, just absolutely Slapped stepped them. on their throat. Because it, it like, you know, it, and they lost games to TSA and Starhorn Royal Club, by the way, in that same playoff bracket, and you can argue the trolling of both of those uh, losses, but, like, they didn't give Samsung Blue any room to breathe. And this team was just oppressive... Uh, in in every sense of the word, in the way that they play the League of Legends, and then after the uh, 2014 World Championship came to an end, uh, there were many Chinese billionaires that liked to write very fat paychecks to recruit uh, South Korean players, and so um, every player from Samsung Blue and Samsung White took a paycheck to go to China. Um, many other players in South Korea took took paychecks to go to China. Um, and there sat Mr. Faker all by himself in South Korea, um, the lone star left behind who, uh, certainly could have, but did not take a fat paycheck to go to China. Um, and Korea had to rebuild and actually came back the following year and, and won in 2015, 2016, 2017 were fantastic. Um, but certainly Samsung was on another level. I would maybe make the argument that, that they were, uh, uh, one of the best i like maybe they're the best league of legends world champion ever as a team mm-hmm. um you know I, I think a lot of people like the pedigree of sk telecom can't be understated like their organization deserves all the love because they're amazing and and the most prestigious organization in all of esports um for all those title wins but uh from a raw skills perspective this samsung team was awesome and i think they really could have uh they could have maybe repeated in 2015 if not for the korean exodus um, you know, meta shifts and everything else into consideration there. Maybe things would have changed, but like this team did not look weak when they went out. Um, mm-hmm. they just got broken up by by uh, Chinese billionaires with fat fat checkbooks. And finally, Emily. So, I think the team that everyone forgets probably won the worlds, except for <laughs> really hyper focused, uh, like uh, Taiwanese fans is the Taipei Assassins. Um. So in season two, like season one worlds, which we made the mistake of watching as part of one of our uh, like little watch parties. <laughs> um, doesn't count, doesn't and count. I, and I almost fell asleep. Um, it Like season one worlds is like people really didn't understand how to play the game, right? And season two was getting to the point where teams are starting to understand things a lot more strategically. Um, IPL5 happened right after this and we saw a lot of teams really showcasing their understand, like their greater understanding of side lane pressure, for example. Um, when we talk about a team like WE, who was also at uh, season two and was in that very unfortunate match against uh, CLGEU. Um, but this, so this entire World Championship it had some technical issues, had some technical hiccups, 
Um, but there was one team, like, going into this, Korea, like, people who followed South Korea understood how good they'd become in a year. Like, people were like, okay, these are by far the teams with the strongest understanding of how to play the game. You know, they really know what they're doing. And then there was Team WE. And Team WE, again, was, like, at the forefront. Like, I cannot stress how good WE was at this point and also how instrumental they were to understanding the way League of Legends came to be played. Like, Wei Xiao pretty much, like, taught everyone how to play AD carry like this is um, a team that people kind of forget about that just because they uh, unlike a team like um, CJ Antis Blaze with their you know their fifth man or their sixth man strategy with the like minion waves they weren't as widely touted in terms of what they brought to League of Legends strategically but shout out to Team WE this was just a a time where everyone was really trying to figure out how they wanted to play Um, and there was one team that everyone was mentioning beyond like like when you talk to Moscow Five, Azubu Frost, CLG EU, um, Team WE, uh, you looked at these teams and you're like, okay, wh- what what team at this World Championship do we have to watch out for, right? And like if you look at the teams that are there, you're just like, okay, people definitely thought Azubu Frost was going to do well. People definitely thought Moscow Five was going to do well. Um, and then you have like we right you have people believing in tsm which you know what TSM. like TSM, tsm was the team that everyone told TSM. me to watch in season two when i first got into league of legends so i watched their regional qualifier to get here and that was like my baseline for watching the season two world championship um but there was a team that everyone was facing in scrims that they said was really really strong and that team were the Taipei Assassins. Uh, they It was Stanley, Lowballs, Toys, Bebe, and Mistake. Um, this is a team that like people rarely heard of until the scrim rumors started. So like this is the first Worlds where we really saw like a lot of things. People learning how to play the game. The world scrim rumors always crop up in terms of this team's doing super well in scrims. You need to watch out for them. And at this World Championship, that team was the Taipei Assassins. And they came through and proved that at this point in time, these Taiwanese players, despite the fact that they were not considered from a major region like North America um, or Europe uh, or South Korea or China, uh, these players came, they won a world championship. It kind of started this weird narrative around uh, the L- what became the LMS, but at this point was actually still the GPL. Um, which, by the way, people don't know, was the first League of Legends league in history. Um, they they proved that you did not have to have the same sort of, I guess, like backing um, or infrastructure that a lot of these other teams had. And it proved that players from this region could perform really, really well internationally. And it started this weird idea that, you know, what became the LMS uh, was going to be this dark horse where you saw flash wolves again and again people saying like these players are really really good they're all concentrated at the top of taiwan they keep qualifying to worlds um we're seeing a mini flash wolves reunion by the way with karsa and sword art qualifying from lpl this year but taipei assassins was kind of this like you 
it was one it was one of those lightning in a bottle things where this only I think this only could have happened in season two because again they didn't even make it the coming year that the team that made it was uh Sword Arts Gamania Bears actually. Um who people people do I not, remember it. <laughs> yeah, I was Great say, people, people don't really remember them. Um, Great uniforms. But they were there. Uh and they were also seated because this yeah. was back in the day when they seated people past huh. The bracket stage, which was a mistake. Um, definitely, was a, a definitely a format. format mistake because they got absolutely blown out by SKT in the quarterfinals. Mm. Um, but it did start. I, I feel like it got people to believe in Taiwan and Taiwanese players, and that that was really awesome to see, right? Because for for years following, we saw these players um, continuously at least qualify for the world championship and give major regions a really tough time. They obviously didn't ever reach the apex of Taipei Assassins who won a world championship, but um, it was a really great story. It was obviously sad. They did not make a run back. Uh, unfortunately, we just had the Gamania Bears losing to SKT 2-0 in the quarterfinals. Mm. But yeah, it was it was a really interesting time narratively and also analytically for League of Legends. And it's cool that the Taipei Assassins were able to like stake their flag in there. One one fun fact about Taiwan or the Taipei Assassins that people probably don't know is the only reason why we have world skins is because of the Taipei Assassins. The Taipei's the original Taipei Assassin skins were done by Garena. For it was only supposed to be for Taipei Assassins, where it was like this thing that Garena did to celebrate Taiwan winning the world championship. It became so popular that it, it, it they were did for they were done for season three with SKT. Yep. And mm-hmm. then people complained. We're like, "We're Fnatic, then? Like, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. made Fnatic. Well, give us our Fnatic." Yeah. And and they 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 caved. The they caved. The they, they caved because they like money. And then forever since the world skins have become a another integral part of the world championships and why it's such a humongous. You know, it's why it's why this it's like it's Christmas season where we have so many great things to look towards: skins and songs and promotion and. There's nothing better than worlds. I'm so excited. Thank you, Taipei Assassins. Thank you, TPA. Yay. Now, now, thank now you. Let's, I was gonna say, let's power rank the world skins. Can we do Ooh. that? Let's, uh, let's right now. <laughs> but maybe, maybe sometime. Maybe that'll be part of what we do in the near future. There's a lot to look forward to here on ESPN Esports. We have a lot coming up. It begins September 11th uh, with our top 20 show. Definitely look forward to that. More details on Twitter, ESPN underscore esports. But also keep it locked at ESPN.com slash esports. We got some leagues to to, uh, determine. We got some winners for Summer Split to determine. So we're going to talk about that on our next edition of Rift Rewind on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. But for now, we are done. Good vibes, Axie Kindness, everybody. We'll catch you next week.